I love lavender. Not the color lavender necessarily. Although I do like lavender colored lilacs. And I had a dress when I was eight, I think, or somewhere around then for Easter that was lavender that I loved, thought it was so great. I also had white patent leather shoes and wore white gloves and a little hat. (laughs) But I'm not talking about lavender in that way. I'm talking about lavender, the plant. Lavender, the flower. Lavender, the fragrance. I know not everybody loves it. I have a sister, in fact, who gets headaches from it. I feel badly about that, but it doesn't make me love it any less. It, it doesn't make me love it any more, though. Do you think about going to the dentist when you smell lavender? I didn't used to. A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. In our last episode of Good Story, I told you about my recent trip to the dentist after I found out I had my very first cavity. What I forgot to say was that the dentist mentioned it was a good thing my tooth was cracked because it revealed the cavity. If it hadn't, it would have gotten way worse. So, yay, I cracked my tooth. Once again, thank you, Ginger Snaps. Has anybody bought them since last week? If you have, please let me know what you think. Again, not a sponsor, just a fan. Often when I leave a dental appointment, I have found that they ask you when you'd like to make your next appointment. Would you like it in six weeks? Would you like it in a year? But nobody asked me that when I left after my cavity crisis correction. But I did stop at the desk and asked if I could make an appointment for my husband and then for myself. Kenny's was made first. Then I asked if I could make an appointment for my yearly cleaning. Well, it's going to be yearly now, never was before. In fact, one time I waited four years to go to the dentist. I was told that was way too long. But I never had a cavity, so I was like, oh, hard to argue with me. Now, if you're a dentist or a dental assistant or a dental hygienist or just somebody who thinks it's important to go to this dentist and that statement bothers you, I understand. It should. You might be sitting there thinking, you never would have had that cavity if you'd been going to the dentist every six months. Also, you might be thinking, there's a lot that goes into our overall health that starts with our mouth. I agree with that. In fact, we'd been visiting with our friends, one of whom is a doctor and the other a nurse, and I had mentioned, this is now post-cavity fixing, that for months I'd been getting very slight occasional fevers and feeling a little achy and having swollen glands by my neck. I'd feel kind of under the weather for a day or two, and, and then it would go away. I asked him, what do you think that could be? First thing he said was, have you been having any recent tooth problems? Oh my gosh, I was like, Was I? Huh, let me tell you about my first cavity. And so I did, which of course I won't repeat now. But I put two and two together and realized that for weeks now, I hadn't felt like that. I hadn't felt like that since I got my cavity fixed. So yeah, dental health helps overall health. Go to the dentist. (laughs) We just never have had dental insurance throughout our adult life. And so we made poor choices to prioritize our dental visits lower than we should have. That's why we didn't do the yearly cleanings, and that's way more information than anyone cares about. I know. 
Obviously, having a cavity scared me into better dental care, and so I made an appointment for what is now going to become my yearly cleaning. I just finished it. I went on April 6th. My teeth feel so great right now. Although not that long ago, I was eating a bit of honey, which is an underrated candy. When people hear I like bit of honey, they're like, what? I'm saying, what's there not to like about bit of honey? Except for the fact that it sticks in your tooth. It's made by a Minnesota company also, Pearson's in St. Paul. It's right on West 7th Street. You can see it when you go by. It has a little crown for a logo, which, you know, that can't hurt it. It's the same company that makes salted nut rolls. <laughs> and if you happen to tune into season one of Good Story, you know how I love me salted nut rolls. I've written a thank you email to the Pearson's company, thanking them for making such good candies like salted nut rolls and bit of honey. I never heard back from them. I didn't really want to. I just wanted them to know that I appreciated their what sometimes seemed to be underrated candies. Um, how have I even gotten here? I'm kind of thinking that sharing about bit of honey in the same episode while talking about the dentist is probably a poor choice. I just got sidetracked. So let me just swing us right back to the Brimhall dentists. <laughs> that was smooth, right? I arrived on April 6th for my cleaning. I again was immediately escorted to my chair. No waiting. The assistant introduced herself to me. It was different, a different person from my cavity experience. And we chatted a bit. I got situated in my chair, and the first thing I thought was, are all dentist chairs this comfortable? I didn't remember ever before thinking that I wanted one in my living room, but man, that one was like so comfortable. It got me wondering. I asked the hygienist if anyone had ever fallen asleep in the chair before. She said, yeah, it's happened a time or two, but not often. I could totally see how it could happen. I was given my protective eyewear. Think like big sunglasses that one would could wear over normal glasses even. I was told we were going to do x-rays first and then get to the cleaning. <laughs> All I'm going to say about this is that I hate the x-rays. I made it through. I made it through without gagging. Actually, to be honest, I made it through without throwing up. <laughs> I was so relieved. The chair then was lowered back even more and I started noticing there's a lumbar support in this chair and this little pillow behind my neck is just perfect. I closed my eyes and she went to work, cleaning here, cleaning there, asking what my normal dental care routine was. How often do you brush? Two or three times a day. And how often do you floss? When something gets stuck in my tooth? She never asked, how often have you used a safety pin to clean off tartar before? So no need to mention that. She also said, it looks like you haven't had to have much dental work done through the ears. <laughs> through the ears. Nope, she didn't say that. <laughs> she said, it looked like I hadn't had to have too much dental work done through the years. She asked me if I ever had braces. I told her, yes, I did. I had them for a couple of years. I didn't tell her about my headgear, though. Probably a good thing. That was a traumatic time of my life. She asked how my new feeling was feeling. I told her it was feeling great. She said, oh, that's good. I told her, yeah, probably, but it kind of wrecks my game in the I have never seen. The cleaning continued. I started listening more intently to the background music, and we started chatting a little bit less. Then at one point, I thought I was in my car with my seat down and couldn't figure out why on earth I'd do that. And then I remember wanting to change the radio station, but couldn't do that. 
And then I felt someone pulling on my chin and couldn't figure out why they'd be doing that. And then I woke up. (laughs) Oops. Well, now she can say two to three times someone has fallen asleep in her chair. The cleaning continued. A little cleaning, water in the mouth and clothes. And the water would go down that straw thing. And repeat, a little cleaning, water in the mouth, and then, you know, you put your mouth around and it sucks the water out. I remember the days when it was all about rinse and spit and spit. I was so glad those days were past. It was terrible. You'd like turn your head to the left and try to spit into the spittoon and only like 75% of your spit would get there. The rest, you're like, where is a spring? It's landing on my bib. It just, that was not, those are not cool days. So kind of glad those days are past. I kept my eyes closed while she continued to clean, but I decided to keep my feet moving occasionally to keep myself awake. I did not want to be the person to fall asleep twice in her chair. And she said, turn your head to the right, please. Perfect, which was great. She'd clean, rinse, and say, close. One time she cleaned and rinsed, but forgot to say close, it felt like, and the water was building up in my mouth. So I thought I'm probably supposed to close it anyway, and I needed to. So I did, but instead of feeling the straw and feel the water leave, I instead felt the cleaning instrument and a little part of her hand, and then I just drooled the water out everywhere. I am certain I'm not the first person to do that. But I didn't ask her because what would that help anyway? (laughs) Eventually, she finished and my teeth felt great. While I was still sitting in the reclined position with a lumbar support and my head nestled in the pillows, she asked if I wanted to reschedule for six months. I was tempted, but I said, well, probably a year. I'm still not not for sure that's what I'm going to do, but I said a year. And so she did. She scheduled it. Then she asked if I wanted a warm cloth to wipe my face. I was like, what? She said, would you like a warm cloth? I'm like, yeah, that's a thing. Absolutely I do. So she handed me this warm towel and I held it to my face. And for a brief moment, I thought maybe I was flying in a plane somewhere. Or maybe I was running through a field because it was not only a warm cloth, but it also smelled of lavender. And if you ask me today if I like going to the dentist, I would say yes. Yes, I do. It's so relaxing. The chairs are so comfortable and it smells of lavender. When I got in my car to drive home and was talking to Kenny, hands-free, I was like, this was the best experience ever. I love going to the dentist so much. That chair was so comfortable. You didn't mention how comfortable the chair was. Did you think the chair was comfortable? I asked, did you fall asleep when you were there? He hadn't. I decided I'd wait a bit until I asked him if he ever mixed up the cleaning instrument for the straw. I told him I'd be home shortly, and then we hung up. I didn't tell him that I'd actually saved my lavender cloth and that I was driving while still holding it to my face. (laughs) Yep. I was driving, holding a lavender cloth to my face. I was thanking the Lord for my dental hygienist and the comfortable chair and the opportunity to go to a dentist and thanked him for lavender again. And then I got to wondering, man, I love lavender so much. I hope it's in the Bible. I wonder if it is in the Bible. I want it to be. But also, I didn't want to impose something that wasn't there, and it didn't diminish lavender. I thought, I like Chick-fil-A sauce, too, and it doesn't diminish my taste for that just because it isn't in the Bible. But still, lavender is a plant, and the likelihood of it being in the Bible was like 100% more than Chick-fil-A sauce, so I figured it was worth a look. And as soon as I could, I started my research, and guess what I found out? It is. And someone listening might say, duh, and perfect, you can. Probably lots of people do often, but I didn't know. 
So I was like, yay. Here's what I found out. Lavender is mentioned in lots of ancient texts, and the Bible is one of them. As with many words, the word lavender is rooted in Latin, deriving from lavare, which is the Latin verb meaning to wash. Interesting. Although in the Bible, it goes by a different name with a different etymology. Lavender in the Bible is often referred to as spikenard or nard from the Greek name for lavender, nardus, which is after the Syrian city Narda. Under this pseudonym, lavender appears multiple times throughout the Bible, most often associated with its amazing scent. It was often transformed into a costly and exclusive perfume that was used to purify, heal, and offer fragrance. In ancient Greece and Rome, spikenard was used to make a popular fragrance called nardinium, which helped people to calm their nerves. When it was mixed with olive oil, it was used for consecration or dedication and worship. Traditionally, spikenard and other incenses too, were also used to anoint visitors' foreheads and feet, the feet which were often covered in dirt for traveling when they would wash their feet. There are a number of mentions of lavender or nard in the Bible. One is with Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, during dinner at Bethany around the time of the Passover, when Jesus is there eating dinner with them, which is what I'm going to read for us. But before I do, I want to pause for a second here and remind you, lest we get confused, that there is another dinner in Bethany where Jesus is anointed with expensive perfume by another woman during the week of Passover. That dinner was held at the house of Simon the leper, whose name that, obviously because he was cured of leprosy, not because he still had it, because he sure wouldn't be hosting dinner parties. But the woman mentioned at that party, she's the one who broke her alabaster box, if you remember, and poured her expensive nard perfume on Jesus' head and anointed him. But I want to look at the one with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. So for now, reading from John 12, starting at verse 3, it says this, So Mary took a pound of perfume, pure and expensive nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped his feet with her hair. So the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. The perfume, sidetrack here now, I'm not reading. The perfume is pure. It wasn't diluted with olive oil or anything. It was unadulterated, pure, expensive perfume. Of course, Judas, the treasurer, the Judas who was about to betray Jesus, was thinking mm, about the money involved. And then he said, now I'm reading again, why wasn't this perfume sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, this is still scripture, but because he was a thief, it says in scripture. He was in charge of the money bag and he would steal part of what was put in it. Jesus answered, leave her alone. And he went on, Jesus commended Mary. We commend her too. Why? Because Jesus did. And if Jesus did, we do. Later in another portion of scripture, Jesus says, people from forever will hear about this. And that's true. We're talking about her today. We commend her. What a gift. We also kind of wish we could have been there doing that same thing. What an opportunity to extravagantly serve and worship the Lord Jesus in such a practical and personal and intimate way. Judas didn't see it because he could only see himself and cash. Jesus saw Mary. He saw the sacrifice of praise and worship. She was pouring at his feet and he honored her for doing so. It wasn't that long ago when this same Mary was seated at the same feet of Jesus, learning from him. And now she worships. She learned and she worships. 
we too can learn and worship. I can't stop thinking about the phrase, the extravagant sacrifice of worship. Let me tie a few things together here that may help you to remember this phrase too. I think first of the dentist. There was some suffering for a bit, not gonna lie, wasn't my favorite, but seriously, when I said all I'm gonna remember is the lavender, I actually kind of meant that. (laughs) And then I think about the suffering, true suffering, times when the Lord has allowed for whatever reason difficult times. Perhaps it's a loss of a loved one or a difficult relationship or a financial burden or being misunderstood or being marginalized or a pandemic. Perhaps it's a difficult consequence following a poor choice or perhaps it's a difficult consequence following someone else's poor choice. Whatever the suffering, the Lord allows us to go through it and brings us through it and walks with us through it. The Lord is aware. He is near to the brokenhearted. The Lord is where our help comes from. The Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, is the one who bends his ear toward us when we pray. And when the suffering is over, as I've shared time and time again, we see God in a new way. We know him as. We know him on a deeper level. We experience him more intimately and appreciate him more fully. We learn from him who he is. We learn and we praise. And the joy of the after is like lavender and we worship. We praise God. We thank him. We adore him. And our troubles, as Paul said, are light and momentary troubles. These light momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Yes, after the suffering comes the worship, after the sacrifice comes the praise, but I'd like to take this even one step further, further back, if you will. May I suggest we can worship even in the midst. We can worship in anticipation of what God is going to do. May I remind us of the verse in Hebrews where the writer says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name, a sacrifice, something that costs us something, something we feel. May I suggest we worship in the suffering and worship in the sacrifice. May we openly profess his name. May we claim his goodness and proclaim his goodness. Even while I'm going through, I know that God is good. Even while I'm going through, I know that he is able. Even while I'm going through this difficulty, I can be grateful because the Lord's presence is throughout it all. We too can anoint the feet of our Lord. We too can bow at his feet with gratitude. I don't know what you're going through. And I am in no way diminishing your struggle. Instead, I'm inviting you to draw near to the Lord in it and worship him while Even as you intend to worship him when the suffering is over and the struggle is ended, worship him now knowing he is able and he is at work.